1: Think twice before you open that picture you got via Facebook Messenger. A recruiting site exposes GitHub profiles. Investigation of credential abuse in the 3-mobile upgrade fraud continues. Fortinet warns German users against an Android banking Trojan. Much advice on how to stay safe online during holiday shopping is out. Symantec plans to buy LifeLock. And Optiv is filing an IPO. President Obama says while in Berlin that he won't pardon Snowden. Rumors of DNI and SecDef discontent with Director NSA circulate. And no, Chinese cabinet ministers don't have a side gig recruiting for the Canadian forces. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Monday, November 21, 2016. Facebook Messenger is being used as a vector for ransomware. Criminals are distributing locky and malicious images shared over the service. The Nimucod downloader is bypassing Facebook's whitelisting protections by arriving in the form of an SVG file, so treat images you receive with circumspection. Geeked in, a recruiting site for tech jobs, scraped 8 million GitHub profiles, but then left them exposed in an unsecured database. GeekedIn regrets the misstep and says it's correcting it. GitHub told HelpNet Security that it allows access to its data but not for commercial purposes, and it's not clear that GeekDin's use of the data for resale to recruiters would be compliant with GitHub's terms of use. Those with GitHub profiles should take steps to secure themselves. Investigators continue to look into the upgrade fraud at 3. Some observers think onboarding and offboarding practices may have contributed to compromising the credentials used in the scam. The Cyberwire heard from Christian Lees, CTO and CSO of security firm InfoArmor. As organizations continue to bolster their security postures at the perimeter, it's logical for threat actors to migrate to and even expand internal lateral movement campaigns, often fueled by compromised credentials. End quote. Lees points out that compromised credentials are often widely available, cost little, and can be used by a threat actor with a relatively low likelihood of detection. We also heard from Istvan Molnar, a compliance specialist at Balabit. He points out that while the way the three mobile hackers got them remains unclear, using legitimate credentials is attractive for many reasons. Quote, Hackers tend to use this method as it is the easiest way to stay under the radar. End quote. Molnar added that user account misuse has become the elephant in the room. In this case, the elephant put about 6 million customers' personal data at risk. Molnar also suggests that the episode indicates the insufficiency of passwords and associated authentication methods. It's equally important, he says, to consider complementing those methods with continuous identification that keeps an eye on what users authenticated with such credentials actually do while they're operating with them. Quote, it's important to have real-time information on the user's behavior. So that is then compared to the already learned behaviors of known user profiles. In the case of 3Mobile, the system would have recognized the differences in the user's typing pattern, use of command set, and access network areas. This information would have appeared on the security analytic display, and if the situation got worse, the system would terminate the connection of the suspicious user in real time." In hacktivism news, Terbium Labs tells us that they're seeing some signs of contact information being leaked about banks thought to be involved in funding the controversial Dakota pipeline. Fortinet warns of an android Trojan that's afflicting German mobile customers. It's a bogus email app that seeks administrative credentials, which, if granted in a moment of inattention, will send banking credentials to the criminal's command and control server. On the subject of dodgy apps, it's worth noting that the holiday shopping season begins more or less officially this Friday, and there's much advice out there on how to buy safely online. Risk IQ this morning released a white paper on the topic. They draw particular attention to the risks apps pose during the season, and suggest specific points of skepticism, and they emphasize the importance of knowing you're on the site where you intend to shop, not on a spoofed page. Beware of downloading apps from the virtual equivalent of the trunk of some random guy's car. The official app stores of, for example, Google and Apple aren't perfect, but they're a whole lot better than some app scalper you've never heard of before. Be skeptical of rave reviews. Those can be, and often are, sock puppetry. Be very cautious if an offer arrives via some free email service. And as always, bad spelling, sloppy grammar, malapropisms, and loose syntactic control should warn you off when there are more of those, that is, than usual. In industry news, Symantec indeed is ready to acquire identity protection shop LifeLock for $2.3 billion. Security company Optiv is moving forward with its plan to go public in an IPO. President Obama, wrapping up his European farewell tour, told Der Spiegel that he can't pardon NSA leaker and current Moscow resident Edward Snowden, on the grounds that Snowden has so far declined to face the music in a U.S. court. Failure to appear in court hasn't in the past necessarily served as a barrier to receiving a presidential pardon. After all, President Ford pardoned his predecessor, Richard Nixon, without it, so it would seem that in this case, can't should actually be heard as won't. Rumors circulating in Washington over the weekend suggest DNI Clapper and Secretary of Defense Carter want NSA Director Rogers removed, ostensibly over dissatisfaction with NSA security and U.S. Cyber Command operations against ISIS. Republican congressional leadership sharply disagrees and says it's considering hearings into the matter. Admiral Rogers is said to have met with President-elect Trump last week, purportedly, say the rumors— to discuss possible service as director of National Intelligence Clapper's successor. Finally, if you were considering joining the Canadian forces late last week, you may have found your interactions with their recruiting site redirected to a Chinese site featuring news and photos of various government functionaries in the People's Republic. Canadian authorities say it's a serious matter, and they're investigating. It seems very improbable that the redirection was the work of the Chinese government. Activists or simple vandals motivated by the lulls are the likelier suspects. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use Joining me once again is Marcus Roshecker. He's the Cybersecurity Program Manager at the University of Maryland Center for Health and Homeland Security. Uh, Marcus uh, saw a story come by recently that the the feds are proposing voluntary automotive cybersecurity standards. Uh, What are the feds looking to do here when it comes to cybersecurity with our cars?
0: I think uh, over the past few years we've seen that... uh Cars are essentially becoming computers. Um, We see uh, a lot of uh, technology being built into these cars um, that uh, we as consumers, as drivers, really like. Um, We can listen to music, uh, we can uh, connect our phones to the car. But the car itself uh, has a lot of built-in technology, too, to make it more efficient. And The problem is that as these new technologies are being built into cars, um, the car makers haven't really been thinking about security all that much. Um, there's a rush to market, so to speak, with the latest and greatest new technologies being built into the into cars. So now we have cars that can drive themselves, um, which is, for consumers, a really cool idea. But um, it poses a lot of security problems as well, because security in of, oftentimes is an afterthought when these new technologies are being developed. So the... Department of Transportation, National Highway Traffic, Safety Administration recently came out with um, cybersecurity best practices for modern vehicles. Um, basically, these are guidelines that car makers should follow uh, when they are developing these new technologies that they're building into cars. Problem, of course, is that these are only guidelines, which means that car makers can choose to ignore them. Car makers are not required to implement any of these guidelines. Uh, So that's where we are now. There's a certain recognition that cars are certainly vulnerable, the technology within cars are vulnerable, and that something needs to be done to increase security here and uh, stop any kind of cyber threat um, from actualizing itself against these vehicles, which of course could have dramatic consequences when we're thinking about cars going at top speeds. So, so these are
1: voluntary guidelines. Why guidelines and not actual regulations?
0: We've seen this approach over and over again, where federal government is proposing guidelines rather than passing reg- regulations or, or passing laws to uh, actually force any kind of security measures to be implemented. And I think the it gets down to a very core belief here, which is that regulations are generally and laws are generally opposed by industry because they're seen as stifling innovation, as being burdensome, um, as imp- as instituting significant costs on a developer of technologies. The idea is that we don't really want to stifle that in- innovation, right? We want that those new technologies to come on the market. Uh, certainly consumers want new technologies and the industry itself wants to be able to not be burdened by all these um, additional regulations. Um, so this is the approach that is often taken by um, the federal government where best practices are Recommended or guidelines are recommended, but no actual regulation or law is adopted yet.
1: So I guess then, if the guidelines prove in the long term to not be uh, sufficient, then that's when perhaps regulations are explored.
0: Yeah, I think that's true. I think um, you know the hope is that manufacturers will implement the guidelines um, to make their uh, technologies more secure. But if that doesn't end up happening, and Um, society sees a need for greater security measures, um, then I think at some point we will see actual regulations or um, laws being passed that will mandate the implementation of additional security measures.
1: All right, we'll keep an eye on it. Marcus Roszakir, thanks for joining us.